Well, good morning, friends. A lot of noise in the background this morning. Uh, you know, we've moved into a new neighborhood that's uh, under construction, and I'm sitting in my office this morning, and next door they are uh, leveling gravel and leveling the yard. They're getting ready to pour concrete uh, at our neighbor's house and um, also getting ready to do the lawn. Uh, would you do, do me a favor and pray for all of our neighbors? We have asked God to... Uh, to place us in this neighborhood, um, a neighborhood, and this one is the one he's placed us in. We want to be uh, great neighbors to them and also a witness of, um, for Christ. So would you pray for us? So anyway, in the background is some noise, um, and I don't mind that. I hope you don't mind, and maybe you can't even hear it. Uh, but we're in the book of Mark, and this is our second day in the book of Mark. wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, who Mark is. And then we'll get into Mark chapter 1 and uh, see how far we can get. Mark um, has multiple names. His name is Mark. His name is John Mark. Remember, multiple times people had names that were uh, more of a Roman name or more of a Jewish name. Uh, you know, they had both names. John Mark. Um, Paul was Saul. Saul to Paul. We, we see that uh, on multiple occasions. Mark uh, was a companion of the Apostle Paul. Um, and there was a breakdown um, on the trip there that separated Paul and Barnabas over John Mark. John Mark um, got, I guess, um, homesick and wanted to head for home, and and um, he did. Mark uh, was, a, in Paul's eyes, a failure and a betrayer and left, but thanks be to God, later there was a restoration. But uh, John Mark was also very important to the Apostle Peter. Uh, John Mark was not um, an original. He was not one of the 12. Uh, he may have, by tradition, been one of the 70. We don't know that for a fact, but he was one of the 12. And look at 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. And we see a little bit about what Peter's thoughts towards this young disciple um, Mark were. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 Peter 5.13, Peter says um, in his final greetings, talking about um, some people, he said, She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Um, Peter writes, or excuse me, Mark writes from Peter's perspective. So, uh, although we believe that Mark was, many uh, theologians believe that Mark was around and he was um, there for some of the things. Um, he was not around for all of the things, and so much of what he has written is written from the perspective of Peter. And so um, two Gospels, Mark and Luke, were written from the perspective of someone else. Luke did his own homework, but also he was a traveling companion of um, Paul. So when people say, well, the Gospels can't be trusted, you know, because these four guys got together. No, 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 they didn't. They didn't because their Gospels were different and they were different because they were written to different groups of people and different situations. Therefore, they have a different language and a different flair to them. But I think it's interesting that uh, some believe that there's a, a, a portion of Scripture in Mark where Mark kind of slips himself into the story. If you would turn there to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52. Mark chapter 14, 
verses 51 and 52. I love this. It's just these two little verses that Mark sneaks in. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And some believe that, that Mark just kind of got himself into the story a little bit. It's kind of like, um, wasn't it Alfred Hitchcock who had these little cameos in all of the stories uh, that he wrote? But uh, uh, some, some believe, theologians believe that that is actually about Mark. Uh, Mark provides witnesses um, to this identity of this servant that he's talking about. He's talking about the ultimate servant of God. And, uh, and his witnesses are... Uh, throughout scripture um, and many of them and most of them are found in this first chapter and and we're going to look at those uh, to to get the identity of this servant so uh, uh, the key scripture though uh, I want you to keep in the back of your mind is Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 Jesus speaking of himself Mark chapter 10 verse 45 for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Son of man um, is a title that Jesus used about himself uh, um, on multiple occasions. And in Mark, I'm going to give you some scriptures toward the end here. You can write down and you can look up where Mark uses that term or that term son of man is used. So why is it important that we find this identity? In Isaiah chapter 53, we have that chapter of the suffering servant. The Jews believe that it is plural or or if it's singular, it means that it's uh, about them as a nation. We believe as Christians that that Isaiah 53 is about Christ, the suffering servant. And Mark to his audience, which is which is probably basically a Roman audience or more of a pagan audience, he talks about this servant and he talks about him in great um, in a great way. And it's imperative that we understand that what he's trying to do here is show forth a witness. Now, why is that important? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, you don't have to turn there, but in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, the law requires more than one witness to anything. You can't just say who you are. Uh, you can't just come against someone and, 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 and they can be convicted of a crime because that could be just one person trying to get at one person, but it requires multiple witnesses. Well, Mark's going to give us multiple witnesses in this story. And he starts out with his own witness. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel. Gospel is good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark tells us right from the get-go who he believes he's writing about. He's writing about Jesus, the Son of God. It's, imp it's important to know that although that we know that Mark failed Paul, and it caused a, a separation between Paul and Barnabas. And there was this later, thank the Lord, there was this reuniting of these. And Mark became very important to the gospel and important to the fact that, as I shared, that Peter called him a son. That tradition says that Mark went back to Alexandria and presented the gospel there. And those that were idol worshippers worshipers resented the gospel so much and his message so much that they threw a rope around Mark and they drug him through the streets until he was dead. So here's another uh, picture of what true discipleship meant to them. 
True discipleship meant being willing to lay down your life for Jesus Christ. And and and, and this uh, Mark, who laid down his life um, for his Savior in somewhere around A.D. 68, wrote to the Romans, and this was the first gospel, it was the first one written, and he identifies immediately why, who, and and the reason for everything he does and for the person that he does it for. He says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of God. So the first witness of who Jesus, this servant, is the Son of God that he's talking about, and the first way to to uh, tell them that this is indeed who I'm writing about is he says, uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What is our witness? Do we talk about our church? Do we talk about our pastor? Do we talk about uh, what we believe, or do we talk about who we believe in? So Mark says, uh, right out of the chute, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let me start at the beginning, and the beginning is this, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. A second uh, witness, you can write this down, the first witness was Mark, the second witness is the prophets. Look at verses 2 and 3. As it is written in Isaiah the uh, written in Isaiah the prophet, and you can write this down, Isaiah forty verse three. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, and then he mentions another prophet, not by name, but he mixes these two scriptures, Malachi chapter three verse one, who will prepare your way? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Before. Uh, a new king would come into an area, they would send out a messenger or a herald who would say, prepare the way uh, for this for this coming king. And it wouldn't be just this preparation of your hearts, it would be a preparation of everything. Preparation of roads, preparation of, of, of where the king would stay, preparation, all of these things would be done to prepare for the king. And Mark is saying that the prophets testify about this soon coming king who is a servant. And he says that the prophets testify that there is a king who is coming. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 and Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 say, before that prophet comes, there will, or excuse me, before that soon coming king comes, there will be a prophet who will say, um, prepare the way of the Lord. The third witness then is John the Baptist, is the one who would come as that messenger. So first we have Mark. Then we have the prophets, and now we have John the Baptist, verses 4 through 8. John appearing, uh, appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. Now, the wilderness was this Galilean wilderness, and, and John comes out of this wilderness, and he really uses that as the emphasis when he says to you to come out of your wilderness, come out of your spiritual wilderness, come out. As he came out of a physical wilderness, he promotes uh, coming out of your spiritual wilderness, a baptism of repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. And all of the country of Judea and all Jerusalem uh, were going out to him. Now, obviously, this is hyperbole. Not everyone went out to him, but it appeared to 
them that all of the world was coming out to him. Um, and many were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. What a wild looking man this would be. He was a Nazarite. He took a Nazarite vow. He wouldn't partake of, of um, wine. He, he wouldn't cut his hair. Uh, he was in the wilderness. He must have looked like a wild animal himself. And he preached saying, after me, here, here comes the heralding, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so John is this uh, 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 next witness. He's the next witness and he's the herald. He's the voice from Isaiah 43, verse 3, and Malachi 3 1. Isaiah 40, verse 3, Malachi 3 1. He's the one saying, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Straighten out these streets. Uh, get your hearts right. Get ready because the soon coming king is here. And in John chapter 1, verse 29, he sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. To Mark, there was no doubt of, of who Jesus was. To John, there was no doubt who, uh, the, who Jesus was. To the prophets, they looked forward to who and when this soon coming king would come and they died not seeing that. Now remember, after Malachi... There were 400 years of silence, and all of a sudden on the scene, after 400 years of silence, comes John the Baptist, this wild man coming out of the wilderness, and he was effective, and he was powerful, and they didn't really know who he was. In fact, the Pharisees took him aside and said, are you this guy, are you this guy, are you this guy? He said, no, I'm just a voice in the wilderness saying, prepare you the way of the Lord. And that should have rung true with the Pharisees, the keepers of the law, and they, they should have known the king is coming next. But no, they had John the Baptist killed. Now the fourth and fifth, really, witnesses of who Jesus was uh, were found in, um, in, in uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Why would Jesus be baptized? Because it was a part of scripture that needed to be fulfilled. Jesus had, had no sin. Jesus had no need other than to fulfill scripture and prophecy that he would be baptized by John in the wilderness. And when he came up out of the water, listen, 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 this is so crucial. These are witnesses of who Jesus is. Immediately he saw the heavens tore open and the spirit uh, descending on him like a dove. That's the Holy Spirit descending. So there's the witness of who Jesus is. He descended like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Look at this. In verse 11, the heavens open and God declares of his son, you are my beloved son with whom I am well, with you I am well pleased. And what had Jesus done to this point? All he had done has been this willing servant to be willing to be baptized, to come and to present himself uh, to John the Baptist for this baptism. So we have these witnesses and again, in Deuteronomy 19.15, and you can look that up later, it needed to be more than one witness. So Mark starts out the entire gospel with, this is the son of God. Then he says, the prophet spoke about this soon coming king. And before that king would come, there would be a herald. And then the herald is John the Baptist, who would say, come, repent, and make 
your path straight and prepare for the king who is at hand. And then Jesus is baptized. And as he comes out of the water, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends on him, rests on him like a dove. There's another witness of who Jesus was. And then the father uh, proclaims from heaven, you are my beloved son with him, with you, I am well pleased. We have these witnesses multiple witnesses to who Jesus is. Why is this so important to Mark? Because Mark is laying the groundwork for what is to come. Mark is laying the groundwork and saying, I believe, I believe, and there is no doubt in me, verse one, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is, he is the son of God. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. And the good news is the king is here. Jesus is here. The Messiah has come. Let me pray for us in closing. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.